a Christmas time land clearing freeze, deaths in the family, and so much more means the last couple weeks have been pretty interesting. Yeah, there's been a very, very interesting energetic field in our home. One of the things we love most about the podcast is having the opportunity to share, to learn from you, from each other, and to share what we're learning as well. We touch on our upcoming trip to New Orleans, but get into some of those deeper things that I said last week I wasn't quite ready to do. And then there's this interesting little conversation at the end about if we could move and pick up and move somewhere, where would we go? Where would we go? So pull up a chair. We have got a lot to talk about. We dropped into the farmer's market yesterday after the freeze. Mm. And the first table I went to was Jaime yeah. Bustos, because we've been talking gardening for 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, you can tell where my thoughts, mind, and heart is, because the first thing I asked him wasn't about the freeze. He's so thin right now that I said, you're thin. Are you well? And he goes, I believe so. I just had a bunch of screenings done, and I've been taking really good care of myself, and I think that I'm thin because I'm taking better care of myself. Sure. And we talked about the freeze, and then we talked about all this and that, and and then I couldn't hold on to it anymore. I I, I had made a post during the holiday season that you never know when you're going to lose somebody mm-hmm. that you love, mm-hmm. that you just absolutely weren't expecting to lose, and then they're gone. Sometimes you do know that it's coming, mm-hmm. but then there are those that are big surprises. And so I told him a little bit about you know some of the things we've been going through, and then I said... So I just really wanted to hug you and tell you that I love you, mm-hmm. no matter what. And then I went around and like couldn't help but doing that with like everyone there. It was a know? hug parade at the farmer's market last night. Yeah. In case you weren't there, you missed it. Yeah. And, and don't worry, you won't miss it because when I see you, I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to hug you and I'm going to tell you that I love you. You know, we typically try to open the show every week with something light and airy. <laughs> but I mean, it, it hasn't just, been a light and airy couple of weeks. Let's right into it. My mother passed. Mm-hmm. We talked about that for the first time really in depth two episodes ago. But that wasn't even the only like big loss that happened in a very short period of time. Right. A couple days after your mother passed, mm-hmm. I got a text message in the middle of the night. It, it all happened at the same time. Like your mother passed and then I got a text. Like I think it might have even actually happened on the same day. Yeah, I don't remember. It was like really close. You're right. It has been a long two weeks. I got a text and it said, what's going on with Lisa? I'm hearing all kinds of things. And I looked at the message and I was like, I don't know this person. And it was late. It was like nine o'clock at night. And I I just kind of let it go. But I texted my friend Jennifer because the three of me, Jennifer and Lisa were like, that was our little posse. She Mm -hmm. had other posses, but me, Jennifer, Lisa, that was... That was our learning garden posse. I admired Lisa for many reasons, but one of them was the amount of people in her circle. Mm -hmm. She had a pod in every major city in this country. Oh, yeah. And she traveled all over the country to visit them all. Yeah. So I texted Jennifer that night and I said, I didn't say anything because the kind of questions I was being asked, I wouldn't want to say that to anybody. Mm -hmm. So I said, hey, text me if you hear from Lisa. Then I got a text back from her the next day. Okay. But that morning, the flood that was coming at me so fast of messages from people. What's going on with Lisa? What's going on with Lisa? What's going on with Lisa? Like this mad terror. From people that you did know. 
yeah, this mad terror of, I've heard this, I've heard that, da, 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 and I'm just like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, uh, uh, this, uh, pray for my friend, I have no idea what's going on, something's going on, I don't know, uh, uh, and all that was going on all across Facebook, all across the country, every person that has ever been touched by Lisa was flipping out, trying to figure out what was going on with this person. They didn't understand what mm -hmm. was going on. And then we sat and we waited. She was in a coma. I honestly don't know still because the details, I'm not close. I'm not close enough to her daughters. And, to, this, and this is happening in Oregon, in Oregon mm -hmm. to know. And so I just simply sat and waited, but my emotional turmoil, Lisa and I were aligned Lisa was a bright star. Aislinn's a bright star. Bright stars align. And two bright stars, if I may, that had so much in common. She went by Gardening. Happy Hippie Barbie on Instagram. You could easily have called me the Happy Hippie Barbie. Like, mm -hmm. it, like Lisa was in the part of her life where she was showing up at the learning garden in a bikini top. Oh, yeah. In rain boots. Mm -hmm. Working in the garden, meditating. She was the Happy Hippie Barbie. And every single time I saw Lisa, she had a new project, a new creative, somebody knew she was working with. She was about to be on some chef show. She was going to write a documentary with somebody. She was oh, I, making I art with this person or that. She was modeling for this person. She was... Now that I think about it, we talked here. I'll have to slip in the episode number right now. Okay, that was episode 3.12. It was called, It's Been an Interesting Week, Friendsgiving 2021, one year ago. Episode 3.12. The link is in the show notes. About our dinner with them? About the dinner that she co-hosted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Absolutely. was um, not cannabis-infused, because that's not legal in Texas, but... It was cannabis-infused, but based on what the legalization for Texas of that th is. There you go, there yeah, you go. It's different in different states. And and she I was remember, Gaia Goods. That yeah, was her business. I and remember going to a holistic management institute meeting at, at someone's house, and, and she I, was the caterer. That's right. That was our. That was part of our connections in yeah. those early phases. I'm telling you, we had so much much in mm -hmm. common with her in all of the interests at the dinner table that you hear here here every week she was into so i remember in the early days at the farmer's market i think it was actually the Rat la ratama year mm, which okay. was like 2013 okay this little pixie with short blonde pixie hair the craziest coolest outfit fur high-heeled boots came skipping, literally, if you knew Lisa, you know what I mean, skipping around and chit-chatting and buying carrots and da-da-da and doing her thing and meeting everybody. And I literally went, and I'm kind of like this. Who, Who are is you? that? <laughs> and how do I get to know you? That's because right. you're like one of my, you're like one of me kind of people. Yeah. That was my first meeting. And then one day she was having a really hard day on the internet. And that was Lisa. Lisa was very public with her emotions. She was public with her joy and she was public with her depression. And she was having a bad day. And I didn't live on the farm yet, but I would come out here to the farm to help out with this or that or to, I don't know, uh, feed the dogs or, you know, something like that. And I was headed out here. There wasn't anybody else out here that day. And I said, hey, I know we don't really know each other that well yet, but I have a good feeling about you. And it looks like you're having a hard day. Do you want to jump in the car with me and ride out to my family's farm in Taft? We've got 
donkeys out there mm-hmm. and some pigs and come if out there with me. If you knew Lisa at all, you know the answer is yes. That's yeah. an adventure, sure. Yeah. And she tells that, she, she told that story. She would point to me in a crowd of people and say, that woman saved me one day. That she holds on to that memory, that that woman saved me one day. And I've been there, you know. Needing savior. (laughs) And so that day, we stood at the fence line back there where the gate is. Same gate, same fence, you know. Stood at the fence line. And we looked at the donkeys, and we fed the donkeys, and we pet the pigs. And she had her camera out, of course. She was probably doing a live. Who knows what she was doing? I don't. I think it was probably before live streaming, really. But she might have still already been on the cutting edge of that. She was posting pictures, and she was, oh, my God, look at this stuff. It's so cool. And here I am doing this thing. And, you know, she was probably dancing while she was doing it because she, she danced. She was a dancer. Mm-hmm. And during that time, whenever I was processing what was going on with her, not knowing anything about what was going to be the end result or what was going on with her actually like physically there. I'm not there. I don't know. I stood at the fence line and I looked out at our pasture and there's two sheep out there and there's the pigs and there's the longhorns. And I thought to myself, Lisa put her love down on this community, the coastal bend. She came to the learning garden when the learning garden was in its ugliest, most weediest, most awful beginning stages. And she meditated every time she came out there. And when she was here, she was like, I can see what you're doing here, Aislinn. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. And she goes, I can see what you're doing here, Aislinn. So that was a one-two punch. It was a lot to lose my friend. You may not know Lisa, but over on our Facebook page, around about the week that this comes out, we'll post a link. This, you know, an unexpected death. Sometimes you're not fully prepared. Oh, for that. this was so unexpected. You know, so this woman exuded health and healthy lifestyle, and this is not, you know, exactly what you would expect to have occurred. So her daughters have created a GoFundMe yeah. to help with final expenses and memorial expenses. Because if you guys can imagine, her daughters flew to Oregon, because they don't all live in Oregon, they live all over the place. They flew to Oregon and they sat at her bedside mm-hmm. for a couple, a couple weeks. weeks. Please contribute to that. That would be very, very nice. It would be a huge help to those young women that are grieving the loss of their mother and also having to move on with their day mm-hmm. each day. Mm-hmm. And you know the loss of your mother and moving on with your day each day, what comes with that. In terms of the financial part of it, that might not have ever been an issue as it relates to what you're dealing with, but you're dealing with all the other thing that comes with losing a parent. Well, These I'm young prepared women are doing this both. week in a way that I wasn't last week to kind of get into a little bit of it. Um, but before we do, we are soup, 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 building a soup right now, like literally right now. And I've been... It's so good. I tasted it. It's mm. not the first soup of the last week and a half or so. The freeze equals soups. You hadn't looked out at what was underneath the sheets that we'd laid out okay, yeah. before the freeze. You yep. have a, had a chance to get out into the garden for a few days now. Yeah. Today, it was like 70 degrees, back to normal. Yeah. What does it look like out there besides bags and bags of produce in our refrigerator that I know need to be eaten? Well, they're going out. The bags of produce are going to my customers. We're getting them eaten. We're getting all that stuff done. But that's like, that's it. I mean, that's pretty much it for a few weeks because it it was a hard hit. There's no doubt about it. There are some things alive out there because I said last week we're in observation. 
Now we're taking the sheets off. Now we can see the green that's still there. Annual production needs to be protected differently than perennial production. Perennials are the plants that you want to stay alive. And all that needs to stay alive of a perennial plant is the root. Everything else can die. But you have to go through the winter before you start chopping on that plant. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you might destroy even the root. You might make the plant sick. So if you want to actually see the week to week of what's going to occur on these observations of a freeze and as we move towards spring and getting ready to plant in spring and all the things that we do now after a freeze, all of those things, what lived, what didn't, because I'm still looking at it and going, maybe, ooh, yes, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, that was one of the things you said in the last freeze to the 2020 freeze was don't rush out there and just cut everything back because it looks dead. Yeah. You got to keep an eye on it. It's still moist. It's still mushy. You can't cut that Mm -hmm. stuff when it's mushy. Don't cut it when it's mushy. But please what? Please go over to my Aislinn Campbell Facebook business page. Check out the Sunday lives that I do. I did a Sunday live before the freeze. I did a Sunday live after the freeze. And the Sunday lives will come where you will get to see each week what's happening. Mm -hmm. So if you're a gardener or you're a homesteader or you're just curious about what does this type of thing look like from a scientific experiment perspective. Mm -hmm. I told Tommy the other day when we were out there looking around. You know what I love most about gardening? Honestly, it's not the produce. It's not even the health benefits of the produce and doing it and all of that. There's a there's the sanctuary element that I always talk about, about having a space to go and wellness and grounding and all of that. But it is the experiment. I love the experiment of gardening. I love the observation, the science, the digging in and learning from what we experience. But there's I an emotional that. investment, though, because the day that the freeze was rolling in, mm-hmm. we felt the first winds at 4.30 by 7 o'clock p.m. It was down to 40. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you fre- you freaked yeah, it, out. It's, it's kind of like a death. had an anxiety moment of... Yeah. You watch the weather, you watch the weather, you watch the weather, and then you watch the weather and you go... We are about to be under 25 degrees for like more than 48 hours, mm-hmm. a really long time. These plants can't, they can't handle that because it was 70 degrees a few days ago. The way scientifically plants move water into their roots and into their plants and how if you're watering them and they cover, that you cover the leaves with, with ice. I mean, there's just all kinds of different ways that plant why did this plant live and this one died well it's because it was in the center of the garden that's where you left the there's a two degree difference yes you know absolutely i will tell you that the biggest thing i've learned already and again like i said go over to my sunday lives come over there and hang out with me and check this out and look at my observations and be in the science experiment with me but i can tell you already one thing i learned before next freeze season agricultural frost cloth ready to roll out and lay it in place on every row but also being very clear and prepared that garden up there in the front is not going to have anything planted on it i'm not saying this for sure but like the idea is that one's not going to have anything planted on it that i am concerned about freezing so i may plant all my green beans and squash and stuff up there because i don't care that that stuff dies because i planted it it was short it grew short, it grew fast, and it produced a bunch of food. Green beans, squash, you know, things like that. There's no massive investment to that. It gave me a lot of food very fast. Mm-hmm. But a tomato plant, a pepper plant, an eggplant, a broccoli plant, 
the timing of that, you know, all of these things that it takes a hundred days to grow these things. Right. So with two broken seasons, oh Bro- yes, it yeah. melts my heart. Yeah. It's like frick, all my tomato plants died, all my pepper plants, all my eggplants. And you know, we know, but at the same time, we also have lived in ways down here where we've gone through possible, a whole winter without that. Is it possible so. to remove the emotions out of it? In other words, yes. you know, okay, your tomato plants get... died, but yeah. you have a huge sack of green tomatoes yes. and I've yes. already planned out what yes. I'm going to do with these yes. green tomatoes. Yes. And that was kind of how I was feeling about it. Like I knew I was going to lose the tomato plants, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to lose the eggplants and the pepper plants. And I definitely didn't want to lose like the broccoli and the celery because of the investment and all of that. that you put into them. And the timing of all of that stuff. Right. And so, you know, it's just looking at all that stuff and getting back into the return on investments. Like, you know, we did a decent job of keeping stuff alive in the greenhouse. It's not perfect. Things died. It got too cold in there, colder than I wanted it to get. That was an experiment. That was a but science experiment. But I've got this, pepper this plants, tomato plants, eggplants. The moment I'm ready to put them in the ground at the end of February, mm-hmm. they're going to be ready to go great, and beautiful great. plants. Good, good. I've got lots more broccoli, cauliflower, all that kind of stuff that I can put out there. So tune in on Sunday. Hear more about what comes after the freeze. Oh, oh my Alexa's going off. Uh, this soup is ready. Hold on. All right, I'm tasting on air again, you guys. Okay, this is a beef stew meat. That's my favorite. Squash soup. Mm-hmm. How is it? Mm. Mm. I love the um, little bit of spiciness. Too. Yeah, that's your habanero salt. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and my carrots. Your carrots. What else? Oh, I'll give you the whole thing. Mm. Oh my God, this is so delicious. It really is. Beef soup is one of my favorite things to eat. I'm getting really good at soups in that I don't necessarily need a recipe every time. Mm-hmm. We did a chicken noodle soup right after the freeze because you had pulled in a bunch of squash, a bunch of carrots, a bunch of those items that you see in a chicken noodle soup, and I had the chicken. Talked yeah. about chicken noodle soup so many times, not going to do it today. Mm-hmm. This vegetable beef soup and the creamy summer tromboncino squash soup that I made yeah. just a few that days ago. That really good too. It's all kind of the same. You're putting your flavor vegetables, Mm -hmm. onion, celery, carrots, in first. Getting those softened. Then you're throwing in your meat or you're throwing in your flavored vegetables, of course. But these are not the vegetables that you're sauteing for a length of time for flavor. In today's case, it was the two tromboncino squashes that you'd pulled out right before the freeze so that we could make sure that we used them and didn't lose them. Mm Mm-hmm. But then you started pulling out bags of stuff. Yeah, because so, it was about to get... That day, I mean, like, seriously, it shifted. I was like, oh, yeah. no, we got to get everything. Everything. So when I didn't have a ton of celery, I used Swiss chard stalks for that. And yes. then I cut up the Swiss chard to just add two. You had a lot of parsley, so I used it. Mm. You had a lot of kale, so I used it. And it kind of just became a trash can soup of mm-hmm. the things that we needed to use. Onion, celery, carrots up top, get those sizzled down, then add your beef, get that uh, browned all the way around, then add your squash, everything else I just mentioned. The seasonings for this were paprika and Italian seasoning, but I kind of cheated on the Italian seasoning trying to use as fresh the fresh herbs that I had. And then add your stock. This one calls for a 14-15 ounce can of diced tomatoes, keep the juice in, that's what that tomato profile is. But the green beans that I made for Christmas, we made green beans and mashed potatoes, and you made a lovely salad. That was our Christmas 
contribution to the potluck. It was a, this year's Christmas food. It was so good. It, it's the best it's been in a couple of years. It was so good, and that's Everyone funny bought because their A game. Yeah, and every and also every we we were all shifting a little bit, and like everything was gluten free. There was a less cheese in everything, although mm-hmm. there was cheese in everything. Mm-hmm. I did want to add in that I sat down to eat this food. I remember at Thanksgiving, I there was a lot of people. It was definitely more chaos. I didn't eat a lot. I ate a little bit. I didn't eat a lot. This day, Christmas Day, mm-hmm. that food was so enticing mm-hmm. and delicious mm-hmm. that I just made this ginormous plate of food mm-hmm. and was like bragging about, oh my God, this food is so good. I'm going to clean my plate. And I did. Me. I cleaned my plate. Yeah. And then my stomach, y'all, it's not just the overeating because I you can eat a whole plate of food. more than you're accustomed to eating. Like, I don't even know if it's that, honestly. I ate some sourdough bread. I ate cheeses, I don't know, because there was cheese on the sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. There was cheese in the cauliflower dish that my mom made. The possibilities. All of the possibilities were there. My stomach does this thing where it just... Pooches out. It turns into a, like a, like like somebody blew up a balloon mm-hmm. with gas, you I guess. a little bit pregnant. And it happened. It's happened now a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I literally just have to go like lay down until it finally like passes through drink some kombucha or whatever so i, I, I i've got to be to poke so you with a pen yeah. you didn't take me up on that i think that after how many christmases and thanksgivings where we've moved toward gluten-free and now uh-huh. a little bit toward dairy-free four of those five maybe six of those we are getting into understanding that gluten-free doesn't mean flavor-free no gluten-free doesn't mean uh, a substitution that's so difficult to do that it can't be exactly it the kind of capper was your dad made with gluten-free crusts Uh a blueberry pie yep he made it from fresh blueberries oh my god it was so good Uh and then your dad is eating no sugar added right that was his whole 30 mainstay after the whole 30 ended for him was I really do feel better when I don't add a bunch of refined extra sugar to things. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, I'm going to get you a, a no sugar added pie and I'll get you, Aislinn, a gluten-free pie in addition mm-hmm. to the one that your dad mm-hmm. is making. And when I showed up to pick it up at Let Them Eat Cake, a fantastic local bakery that turned it around in 24 hours. Our awesome friend, Michelle, who helps us out. She said, oh, and I've also got a dozen cupcakes here for uh-huh. you. Half of them are gluten-free. <gasps> half of them are no sugar added. Okay. I mean, if you insist. I think I ate a lot of cupcakes. More cupcakes than I've eaten in yeah, like yeah, an entire yeah. year. My dad said... Of the no sugar added mm-hmm. cupcake that I think it was chocolate, right? A it was a, it was a cream. vanilla or yellow cake with the chocolate icing. Okay, he said it, he said it's the best cupcake I've ever eaten. Now it could be because he's not eating a whole lot of you know whatever. Sweets. And Michelle's just a really good baker. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. many people talk about how good she is. You've got yourself a local baker, right? I mean, you're not everyone does. You're not going surely. to the supermarket to get your cakes and stuff. Sometimes in a pinch, you have to do that. But right. you've got a relationship yeah. with a local baker yeah. that's making something special for you in a mm-hmm. 24-hour turnaround. If that's something that is mm-hmm. important, mm-hmm. you've got that right. Mm-hmm. And if you don't and you live in our area, oh, let them eat cake. Contact Michelle. Let her know we told you. And let me just say this. My mashed potatoes were incredible. And I don't mind bragging on myself. They were so incredible that everybody was whispering about how incredible they were after the meal. I <laughs> added two full bulb heads of roasted garlic this mm-hmm. time. 
a stick of butter, sorry, has to happen, and a splash of I had a lot of, of dairy on, things, on Christmas Day. <laughs> a little bit of salt. And then you just whip them up, you know, in your mix master. Mm-hmm. We have a KitchenAid one, the 25-pound the one. There's certain tools in life you just can't live without. And then you, it's just like <laughs> building a soup. Do I need a little more salt? Do I need a little? And I was just going to say quickly, the green beans is building a soup recipe. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. You put your flavor vegetables in first, your celery, your onions. Those green beans, man. Your uh, So fantastic. Jalapeno, if you're going to go that route. Mm. We also put in a lot of sweet peppers, non-hot mm-hmm, peppers. Because I got all those peppers out of the garden yep. before the freeze. Let's, <laughs> let's make them. I cook that with my pork fat. I usually have a pound of bacon that I set aside in a Ziploc called green bean pork, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'll dice that up real good and add it in because I like a good pork flavor. Then you add your broth and your beans and you simmer till they're done. But every 10, seven minutes or so, I'm bringing you a taste. I'm taking a taste. Needs a little more of this, a little more of that. You make it tweak perfect and Christmas is a success. It was really good. Um, a Christmas food miracle. Of course, that was the last picking of the green beans before the freeze. So we picked every bean, all the teeny tiny ones. He was over there like hand yeah. chopping all these teeny tiny little green beans. My and- pleasure. And those green beans went into the leftovers, went into the soup that you're eating today. Yeah, that's a fun idea. I also got in my mind that I was going to make the salad like a pizza Uh because of all the good ingredients we had. Of course, carrots don't generally go on a pizza, but pretty much everything else that you would put on top of a pizza, I put on my salad. onions, sure. Yeah, all that stuff and just made it this beautiful array and then sprinkled on top of it. Again, because of the freeze, I made a huge batch of really hot pizza salt. Okay, yeah. Because you know I make the pizza salts, or I make salts. That's yes. what I do with all my herbs. So I was in there in the kitchen, whirring and cooking and doing my pizza salts, but I had all those habanero peppers, so I was I made a fire-hot pizza salt, sprinkled that on top of the faux pizza salad. Right. <laughs> and now we have that to go on all our delicious pizzas. Is it talking about food? Is it getting a something off your chest? That you've probably been collecting together in your mind. Is it when we get into a goofy... What's your favorite part of doing this podcast? My favorite part of sharing anything I share about my life is when it helps other people and they tell me that it's helping them. Like even if the help is just, oh my God, you made me laugh. Or, oh my God, when you said the thing about the Baptists, I just nearly spit my coffee at the computer screen. You got upset with me about my comment on the Baptist. I didn't get upset. I just simply said, said, oh, we probably just ran off everyone that is offended by the Baptist thing. (laughs) I don't mean, we don't mean to offend or... I'm not trying to get away from you answering this question, but the amount of people that have reached out to you and to me Mm -hmm. and interaction on all of our social media is much larger after the talk we had about my mom and the system and going through it and dealing with and it people and people not process it being not fully talking prepared. about yeah if you've got kids make sure all your documents are in order and that you're having that piece of it mm-hmm. has garnered so much reaction and that's what i'm talking about that's my favorite part of any content release that i do and that i've ever done and that is I do it from a place, I share my pain, I share my stories, I share my anger, I share my love, I share all of those things because I want to connect with someone else that might be dealing with it. And I think that it takes brave souls to get on a microphone and tell 
the good and the worst of who they are and what they're dealing with. Do you look for the same kind of thing in a podcast or YouTube video yourself, trying to be on the receiving end of someone else giving you, what did you call it, help? I guess wisdom. I do. I mean, I, I don't, do I you... wouldn't listen to any what I would call traditional podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to YouTube and some of them are podcasts. They're just put up on YouTube. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking for people that are speaking about the things that they're dealing with. I often, though, am listening to like renowned philosophers, mm-hmm. modern day renowned philosophers. Yes. I was about to say, I'm listening for someone to share something with me that will help me. But my thing that I'm looking for is teach me how to say the things that I have in my mind that are similar to what these other philosophers and scientists and doctor, whomever I'm sharing the messages, farmers, agricultural specialists, whatever. They're teaching me some things that I've not known before or giving me some things to think about, certainly. But a huge part of what I'm picking up from them is how do I communicate the message the way you do so that people can receive these good messages. You're you're transmitting a message that seems to be popular. I would love to learn how to do it to where more people even get the message. Yes. One of the philosophers that I've been really listening to recently, and I think I mentioned him last week, so mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll be coming up again, is Daniel Schmachtenberger. What I love about the way he talks, he looks at things the same way I do, mm-hmm. from the same kind of like Course in Miracles, libertarian, outsider perspective. He was a homeschooled kid. Yeah. You know, he has an outside perspective. I wasn't a homeschooled kid, but I have an outside perspective. Right. He says, everything that you might bring up in an argument against what he's about to tell you yeah. in one short sentence, just so that you know he's considered all the arguments you're about to bring up. Sure. And I imagine he knows that... We live in a time right now where once you hear anything, that you don't anything, agree with, right. that you will quickly yes. work to yes. try to combat it. So the Baptist thing, that was my fear. Do people shut things down because they heard something that sounds offensive to someone that calls themselves a Baptist? Or do folks know the way we talk and how we talk and the openness of the way we talk enough to listen through things that might make their stomach hurt a little bit. Well, I can see the listening numbers and know that there were a lot of first-time listeners that listened to my mom's episode two, right. two weeks well, ago. Well, that's what I wonder. And is like, curious, do people know us well enough to they, know that did, we're not... Some didn't that day, but the next week, if they listened again a little bit more, and the next week a little bit more, I always try to counter the, like the Baptist comment, for example, I was very careful that day to say, it is my experience. This is my anecdotal thing. Yeah, but my point about like the, what this guy is saying and mm-hmm. how do we communicate a message to people to get them to hear is just because you say that doesn't mean people aren't automatically offended by just the fact that you had a negative connotation towards something that they call themselves. Sure. Right? Oh, yeah, every time. Yeah, of course. Okay. I've labeled my... there. Yeah. And, oh, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're getting real personal if you're going to put a blanket right. criticism over something that I'm involved in. Right. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Oh, I mentioned our Facebook page earlier. Another thing that's going on there right now is a few threads that have gone out last week about our New Orleans trip. 
There's the food thread. There's the jazz thread. There's the things to do on the route thread. There's the hiking thread. And the food one, of course, is the most popular. Mm -hmm. In fact, we have made a reservation for dinner on one of the two nights we're going to be in New Orleans already based upon information from that Mm -hmm. food thread. Not going to tell you yet where we're going. We really would like for you to go in there and if Facebook's not your jam, then text us, DM us, get a hold of us. Yeah. Di- DinnerTableTalks.com shows you how to do all that. All your recommendations. From Texas to Louisiana, anything on that general route mm-hmm. that we should do, that we should check out. If you know Natural the Vista. most clean and beautiful roadside bathroom, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. tell important. us those. We got a dog in the car. We got to stop every two yes. hours. <laughs> tell us those. Oh, my God. Yeah, we were on highway, blah, blah, blah. And we went off just a little bit. Oh, and we got into a really going. nice outdoor bathroom area. Beautiful trees and nice grass. And, of course, it's February, so it might all be dead at this point. But either way, tell us about that. If you know yeah. of those, tell us about those. Uh, places to eat, especially in New Orleans. I'm hoping we're going to pick up some crawfish 12 times. Oh, that's a good idea. Have I mentioned some crawfish crawfish? and take them up to the Airbnb. (laughs) Okay, good call. Now, the hotel. Yes. We've done the research. We talked last week about the Madonna Inn. And I thought it was funny because when we were talking to your friend the other night, she mentioned St. Vincent, which I had seen. That's one of the ones that seems to be up there as the quirky, stylized, interesting ones. I think you should check on that one. Yes, St. Vincent. But when we mentioned, you know, Madonna Inn. She goes, oh my God, though. The Madonna Inn is like the hotel of kitschy stylists. Everyone stylist. knows about, Everyone knows about that one. I was like, so really? So what is so- that place in New Orleans? We have not cracked that egg yet. <laughs> yeah. In addition to that, like, tell us the other ones in this country. Like, where else are okay. these super cool, kitschy, stylized hotels, boutique hotels? It's not just about the expense. It's about the dynamics, the vitality, the life that's in that The out of the ordinary of it. There you go. The beauty of it. I love style so much. I'm with you. All right. Enough avoiding the conversation, Joe. Okay. Tell us how you're doing about your mom. For real. Well, I'll be happy to tell you that I went to the funeral parlor. (laughs) Hilarious. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling. I don't know what I expected to feel. I don't know. And maybe you if don't that need makes to know. me weird. I no, I definitely think people would say that doesn't make get you weird. the impression. I, I, I think the answer that you said, I do believe that the idea that I don't know is legitimate. But someday I should know, and there's a journey from not knowing to knowing. For sure, I think what I'm seeing is. I'm seeing a boundary. I'm seeing a a veil between you and what you're actually feeling. A this is a not covering, new that you a covering mentioned you're, to me. You're covering up walls, how you feel, barriers. Yes, sure. And then I asked, "How do you feel?" I ask you questions about how about our relationship. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel? Do you have a feeling about that? And you're like, no. And I know that you do because it's impossible not to. You right. Maybe just not. It's like you don't know why you get a tummy ache every time you whatever or that your joints swell up when you eat sugar if you don't pay attention to how you actually physically feel. So a lot of times when you go into a therapist, some of the first questions they'll ask you when you say something, a really good therapist will say, how does that make you feel? And they don't just mean like... Sad. Sad. Right. No, they mean like, well, 
my stomach is in a knot. What are the physical symptoms? What that, are the emotional symptoms? What that. are the... Yes. Yeah, it's interesting because I've known this about myself for a really, really long time. A friend asked me, how you doing? I said, I compartmentalize like a motherfucker. And she said, oh, that's good. I said, that's debatable. I don't know if it's good or it's bad. It's what I do. Now, how did I get here? My I mom probably spectrum... had a lot to do with it. I think that I think that it's the spectrum we're trying to look at here. Like everything else we talk about. I need to learn how to compartmentalize better. You need to learn how to understand holistic better. And between the two the of us. Is that the other end of a compartmentalizing yes. spectrum? Everything can't Super be. Super compartmentalizer on the, this side. Uh-huh. And what's on the other side? You have a full understanding that everything is interconnected. Nothing can be separated. Nothing can be separated. It It is impossible to separate any of it. But the compartmentalizing that I'm doing isn't evidence that things can be separated? Well, this is a different spiritual belief system. I believe universally we are not separate. separate. We are not separate. Okay, but internal compartmentalizing. You and I may not be separate, then fine. But internally inside my brain, the compartmentalizing that I can do like a motherfucker. Well, you lock things into silos. This is my problem with every system exists when it gets really big. Yeah. You have to put things in silos in order for anything to get done. Yeah. Once you start putting things in silos, and this is your complaint about the healthcare system. Once you start putting things in silos, this silo doesn't know what's going on in this silo. Or the silos require an interaction, but if that interaction breaks, then neither silo works uh, correctly. This is why you work to break the boundaries down, even though you need to put up some boundaries. So when someone says, oh, that's good, you're compartmentalizing, it means that you know how to build boundaries. You know how to protect yourself. But are you vulnerable enough to understand what's occurring when things need to be interconnected because universally they are interconnected. People will tell people who have a friend or loved one pass away, there's nothing wrong with uh, going to see somebody, going to talk to somebody, therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist. I already made an appointment. That that would be helpful to any human and to a human like myself that has recently lost their mother. But I don't think that I'm going to be able to answer quickly the questions that are going to come at the very beginning. How does that make you feel? I will have a problem answering that question. It's the therapist's job to help you know how to answer that question. I completely understand. And I think that, am I dealing with intense grief? I think you're dealing with wounding. Am I dealing with intense depression? I think I'm dealing with slight depression right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sleep schedule kind of tells me that I'm dealing with some slight depression. Is it about my mother? Is it about other things? I don't know. So I think that could be well, helpful. Well, both of your parents have passed in the last two years. Yeah. You are 50 years old. Amazingly 50, yes. Our children are leaving. That is the truth. We have moved. We have made such a massive shift mm-hmm. in our life yeah. that you're in a different field than you were in a few months ago or a few yeah. years ago. You were literally it. in a different field, energetic field. I did see a therapist kind of recently. And when he learned that my daughter was interested in musical theater, 20 minutes of each 50-minute session became talking about that. And I would go along with it because he's the professional. 
But ultimately, and also I realize you prefer for other people to talk rather than you to talk sure, about your feelings. I love a good distraction. Exactly. Yeah, that's the truth. I've already made an appointment because I need to see a therapist because of what you're dealing with. And I live in the same home with you because my friend just passed because I'm 44 and my children have just left home and I'm in a big transitionary phase of my life. I had no idea when I celebrated my 44th birthday and I was expecting a big transition to come that all of this would be happening during this transition period. I need to see a therapist. And the funny thing about me, the challenging part about me and therapists, two things. One, when you're the kind of personality that I am, you know almost every therapist in town and they can't treat, right. they can't treat you right? because they're your friend, right. you're your, their friend. right? But I did find a group that I think I'm going to do a consultation with before I even schedule an appointment with them. I'm going to have a 15 minute conversation of with course. them, whether I'm going to tell them about my faith. I'm going to tell them about my beliefs about the medical system. Drugs, beliefs about therapy, probably. My, my beliefs about therapy, my beliefs, my beliefs about drugs, all of that stuff, so that I can make a decision of whether we're ever going to even be able to work together. That's important to do. Exactly. Yeah. But the second thing that makes it challenging for me mm -hmm. is that they're going to they're going to start by trying to tell you a lot of coping and thriving and success ways to get over that, and they're going to tell me you need to do more self care and yoga and qigong and meditation prayer. They're going to give me the list of all, go on a vacation, go find friends, go to a group. They're going to give me the list that I give my friends every day. That doesn't mean that I don't need a therapist. I need a therapist because I need an objective listener that isn't my family, one of my close friends, or you to talk out the things I'm dealing with. Yeah. I think that any therapist that just gives you a list of to-dos, as you just described it, and thinks that this is the therapy you're not at the right place either. Mm, depends. I mean, the therapist mm. that I saw after the wreck in 2013, yeah. when we started talking about my anxiety and mm -hmm. PTSD and sensory overload sure. and all that kind of stuff, she gave me a lot of good skills. She was one of the ones that gave me some of the coping and thriving skills. Why not go back to her? Um, Because, okay, it's exactly why you said. She was really give it, good at giving a bunch of thriving and coping. And, uh, and I was like, this is great. I'm really just looking for an objective listener more than anything else, mm -hmm. uh, you know. And I think that really good therapists, like things like breaking through someone that goes into a therapy session and will let you talk about movies and theater the entire time. A good therapist knows that that's your distraction sure. method. Knows that they're not getting the real story and tells you, hey, listen, you're wasting your time and money here today right. because you're not telling me anything at all. Yeah, you're not telling I me anything. That, I think that oh, there's a plenty more to talk about. I imagine, though, that I will give them a list of the things that I know myself before I get started. So I guess in this episode, I have committed to going to see a therapist, which I hadn't really said out loud prior to the episode. So I hope so. I've been asking you to go see the, a therapist for months now. That's my have you. That's my yes. favorite part of the podcast, I suppose. What is? is? It not just helps other people from time to time, but you and I can come together and help ourselves. Mm -hmm. Let's bring this episode home with our random question of the week. How about a question about the death penalty? Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Now find us a fun one. All right. Here's a good one. If you had to move, which part of the country would you want to move to? Oh, that's a good question. You know what leaps to mind is Maine. But mm. then you got to deal that's with that winter. That's only because you've only seen Maine in the summer. And those winters in Maine are brutal. Like to visit Maine. We have um, several friends that do that, weather -wise, actually. Weather-wise, you can't beat 
L.A., but I don't want to live no in L.A. freaking way. I would want to live near This is an LA. interesting question because I want to know where you're going to live and I want to know where I'm going to live and is it going to be a place where we would live together? Well, like, I'm going to live wherever there? you live. And, and okay, go ahead though. I'm not so nailed down to a There's place. There's not a chance in hell I would move to California or Los Angeles. No, no, I don't. Exactly. Very, but weather-wise, like, that would be if ideal. If you haven't seen Babylon, go see Babylon. Babylon was incredible. <laughs> it was a good movie, but it also reminded you that LA is like hell. Well, Hollywood in the 20s. Okay. Okay, so... When you and Hunter go there to have your little vac- man vacation... Mancation? Yeah, you come home and tell me how you feel about LA. I told you how I felt at the beginning of the answer to the question. I wouldn't want to live in L.A., but weather-wise, it's incredible. It's a great place to visit. But there's probably a, a area near L.A., you and I saw many of them, that would be lovely places to live. Sure. Santa Barbara. But I don't want to live in that government. Okay. I don't want to live in that You're right. State. You're right. You're right. Okay. Does Texas have any... I love Texas. Does Texas have any place that has the seasons, but I don't want to live up in Dallas North Texas. Okay, here's what I want. I have a quick answer, and I am. Um, I want a house. You're gonna want to go there with me. I want a house here. I want a house in Maine. I want a house in Colorado, and I want a house in the Northwest. Go ahead. The Carolinas, either South Carolina or North Carolina. No, they have seasons. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's the, the and, and they get agriculture. They grow there. They have beaches went, there. Everything. You, yeah, you and your mom went when there was a pop in the pandemic where travel began uh-huh. again, and then I it's think it's a it, southern state. So you got southern state rules. I've always wanted to go there. We named our daughter Savannah because of a interest in the literature of that area. Mm-hmm. So I, you and I should definitely go check that out. Mm-hmm. Maybe take Savannah to Savannah. I would totally buy a second home or move to mm-hmm. that eastern coast over there in the southern region. Well, I'm already buying three new homes, so let's just buy a fourth one. Okay, perfect. You never know when you're going to lose somebody. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. <laughs>